0: On this week's episode, Meta's Not So Meta with MetaQuest 2. What's the future for the Gray Man? And who could be the next Lara Croft? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos the Lakers fast break inside sports fantasy football game source the great folks at vampires and vite the even awesome more great folks at wizards and wine are tremendous amount of games that we have each and every week right here at the pop culture cosmos on facebook because we are the number 1 streamer for tabletop rpg games at pop culture cosmos on facebook because we do it better than anyone else. We've got several games a week, action galore, right there for you in the video section at the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you can go ahead and support us right there, popculturecosmos.com, Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your social media, Vampires and Vitae, wherever you get your podcasts, and everything that we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is getting back home in the rain. She had to go ahead and I think her and her husband, Robbie Ross, had to go ahead and weed their way through the waters here in Las Vegas due to a sudden thunderstorm, maybe in a motorboat just to do the show. She is our navigator through the rough waters as Las Vegas (laughs) for Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what she's doing today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, her tremendous games, Vampires of Vitae, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, like I mentioned, Wizards and Wine with the Wild Beyond the Witchlight. It is my good friend, Mrs. Melinda Barkhouse Ross. And Melinda, I am just glad you made it home safe. Yeah, me too.
1: That was, I mean,. I'm used to seeing a lot of lightning. I've lived on the coast, on the ocean. So you get a lot of heat lightning and and all of that kind of stuff. But it has been years since I've seen nonstop steady lightning like we had there a little while ago. That was wild.
0: And for somewhere like Las Vegas, where it doesn't rain for like hundreds of days. Yeah. This came out of the blue. It just dropped. And you know what? In typical Las Vegas fashion, it left out. (laughs) <laughs> it left town dry <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: not exactly in dollars per se but it just left town dry indeed but we've got a great show on tap again check out what melinda's doing each and every week with wild beyond the witch light and of course everything that she's doing wizards and wine and vampires and vitae she'll go ahead later in the show and let you know what she's up to when it concerns those great games but we've got a lot on tap to discuss Got to talk about some under-the-radar TV picks for both her and myself. That's coming up on the back end. Tomb Raider. The the rights for Tomb Raider from MGM. gone. She is a free agent on the movie Open Market. What's the future for Tomb Raider movie? Could it be a streaming series? Who will play Lara Croft? We're going to go ahead and share our thoughts on that coming up on the back end of the show, plus additional thoughts on the brand new trailers for Blonde coming up on Netflix in September. Samaritan with Sylvester Stallone in August. I'm going to drop that later on here in a bit. Plus also Oppenheimer, the new strategy that's been put out there by Universal Pictures for its upcoming movie based on the very controversial figure that is known as Oppenheimer. Cillian Murphy Murphy is playing the lead role along with a bevy of world-famous stars. So we're going to be talking about some thoughts on those three new trailers that just dropped this week that were not Comic-Con related. That's coming up in a bit. MetaQuest 2 is really not the favorite of any fans out there because Meta dropped a bombshell this week when it concerns the future and a price change for MetaQuest 2, and it has gotten a lot of negative feedback coming on the heels of an announcement later that day that they lost a whole ton of money in the previous quarter. So we'll talk about the price change for MetaQuest 2 and how dumb a move that was by Meta. That's coming up here in a bit. The Gray Man. The Gray Man is excelling on Netflix. I'll share some thoughts on that because I actually had a chance to see it, but what's the future for The Gray Man? If you're a fan of the Gray Man, you might like what we have to say coming up here in a bit as well. But Melinda, it was Comic-Con, the fallout. It's kind of slow right now because I think everybody just cleared out a lot of the news during the course this past weekend at Comic-Con. I know you haven't had a chance to go ahead and share some thoughts. I know we shared thoughts on day one. But there, of course, were a lot of things that were going on after that with Marvel, DC, Star Trek, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, ton of things that we actually showcased here at the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Not only did we talk about it, but we had dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of articles that we presented to you at Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos. But I want to hear what you have to say on your thoughts at san diego's comic-con was it as great an experience for you getting back to see everything at san diego's comic-con for
1: 2022 i you know what i there's a part of me a very selfish part of me gerald i have to be honest with you very Uh selfish part of me i really want to try to go next year as an attendee, not as like a media, not as media coverage i mean obviously i will if i go but um you know that's not my intent so um there's a part of me that wants it to have been a step down from where comic-con usually is. So when I go next year, it's amazing. See how I think it's, I am? <laughs> well, the
0: thing is though, because it's been virtual for yeah. the past couple of years because of what's happened with the coronavirus that mm-hmm. I think a lot of these studios just wanted to unload a lot Absolutely. of information, right. especially right. Marvel. Marvel came into the situation. We talked about it on last week that it was really something up in arms as far as what was going on in the phase four, a lot of confusion, nobody really knowing what's going on. No, seemingly no direction. And the question was there. Could they actually be losing out this, that weekend at comic con to DC? Because all DC had to do was step up to the plate, knock a whole bunch of things off that list, showcase a lot of things upcoming, and they could have had a real chance to take comic con. But unfortunately, due to the controversy in regards to Amber Heard and Mm. Ezra Miller, they decided to hold off on showing future aspects of the DC Universe. They only showed what's coming up this year in Shazam and also Black Adam. And I think that was to their detriment because Marvel came in. It dropped the proverbial hammer, Mjolnir, as we say in Marvel Land, and they killed it. And they absolutely yeah. showcase what they're going to be doing for most of Phase 4, 5, and 6. I know there's going to be some things that they're going to add on in D23 that they're going to sprinkle in there coming up in the future. But I think for the most part, showcasing so many different projects coming up in the next two, three years is was really amazing.
1: And the correct thing to do, let's be honest. Gosh, at this point, it's so hard to slow Marvel down. And I can remember saying, you know, we, we just need to like one piece of information that's going to make all of the things that we don't quite understand about the next few phases for Marvel to make sense. And, and I feel like they gave us those pieces. Um, I, I feel like I, I have a, an understanding of um, the things to come. And how they're going to uh, evolve, continue to evolve uh, the Marvel multiverse. So I'm, I'm excited for them. I'm, I'm excited as a fan to uh, get into it.
0: Do we need to get a lawyer?
1: Why would we need to get a lawyer?
0: Because as the co-hosts, as we are, of the PC yeah. multiverse, yeah. which really had the name since 2016, uh-huh. Marvel coming in with its multiverse saga, yeah. I don't know. The naming rights not sure i'm digging that but you know what we are in the middle of the multiverse saga as it were as they now officially named it as far as phase four five and six phase four will be ending in the not too distant future with both she hulk and of course wakanda forever black panther 2 those two trailers were shown to the public and also the people behind the scenes at comic-con and then they showcased a lot of other footage for other shows at comic-con which they have not showcased to the public as of yet so i'm hoping to check that out but your overall thoughts on comic-con i mean i know i want to go too i would love that's actually you know on the bucket list right there for me <laughs> right. as well that and Cinemacon really want to go ahead and knock those two out before i die which i'm hoping not to do so in many many years but i want to know what did anything else stand out for you at comic-con before we hit the break
1: who um, the the john wick trailer uh to me was a triumph yes You know, it's more of the things that make the John Wick films great. And they continue to find ways to turn the volume up on those movies. And I don't know how they're doing it, but I'm here for it and I love it. So I hope that they don't stop anytime soon.
0: I hope that they don't either.
1: Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed the, what we do in the shadows panel. Um, I loved learning that Matt Berry, who plays Laszlo, had no idea how popular what we do in the shadows was until he went to comic-con and people just started yelling bat at him all the time. Uh, that, uh-huh. I that was, yeah. Bat! I thought that was great. Um, and uh, some of the, the unfortunate news now that comic-con is over and, and people have gone home and stuff. And, you know, if you attend conventions like that, you're used to hearing about the con crud. Everybody seems to get the same cold after the convention is over. Uh, yes. George R.R. R. Martin has COVID, so yes. here's to so hoping it for a, a speedy recovery for him, for sure.
0: I know he wanted to go ahead and be there for the premiere of episode one of the house of the dragon because i know they showcase that to members of the press well Mm -hmm. in advance too i think that was the weird part about it that's almost like what uh, naughty dog does with the uncharted and last of us games they showcase that i think a month in advance before Mm -hmm. it actually goes to retail so that was very interesting that they did that but he was unable to attend they say he's doing fine so i wish him all the best and Hopefully while he's at home can finish up the book. I think that everybody wants him to finish up that he's still not finished with and that he said was going to be finished with many years ago, but we won't really get into that. But yeah, definitely a great time at San Diego's comic-con for 2022. Again, I was disappointed with DC. They had really going into it, all the momentum. Marvel was People were starting to be burnt out. You could see the the kind of money that they're bringing in was not what they used to bring in. Both Thor and also Doctor Strange not hitting a billion dollars, I think, was maybe kind of a little sign that what's the future? Although, gosh, do you have a seven to nine hundred million dollar film in the kitty right now? I mean, that's great. <laughs> not every not every studio does. So we shouldn't really right. complain there. But. I think DC and mortar brothers, I think afterwards had to got to be shaking their heads. Why they didn't pull the string on some more stuff that they could have showcased at comic-con that would have at least leveled the playing field a bit, because I I think they went in thinking that they could have gone in, done a showed a little bit and they would have been just fine because they didn't think Marvel was going to showcase very much. They thought, okay, they're going to wait till D 23 or they don't really have a great direction because of what's going on in Phase 4. Phase 4 has been all over the place. I don't think really that Marvel's going to be doing all that much. And then Marvel came in and killed it. Definitely a message was sent. And I think to fans out there, it's in many fans out there, it's reignited that passion. I know there's a, a portion of the fans that are upset that they didn't replace T'Challa. But this wasn't like it was news because Kevin Feige has been saying for years he's not going to, you know, since the, the unfortunate passing of of Chadwick Bozeman that they were not going to replace the T'Challa character. And I think that you know, people were just, it was hit with them when the trailer came out. They, Oh, he's not going to be in it. He's not going to get replaced. He's not, you know, okay, this is not like it's an accident. This was something that's been planned and in the works for a long time now since his untimely passing that he was not going to be a part of it, that there was not going to be a replacement, that the Black Panther would be either Shuri or Okoye or someone within that community for as far as Lupita Nyong'o, she might be uh, the next Black Panther. Still wasn't clear exactly who that is, but it would be someone other than who they wanted to. And so I think that kind of feedback was disappointing. But other than that, Marvel just absolutely killed it. I'm looking forward to Wakanda forever. I'm looking forward to She-Hulk as we complete phase four and head into phase five and phase six.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that uh, the, the Black Panther two trailer, the tone of the trailer felt correct. You know, it it felt like, uh, you know, moving forward with a heavy heart was what I felt from that trailer And yeah, and I just, I thought that it was, it was the correct tone. It was the right way to do it, the right way to approach it. And if you've read the comics, there's a possibility that we already know who is going to be taking up the mantle of Black Panther. But, uh, you know, that remains to be seen for the movie and what Marvel has decided to do and how closely they'll stick with those comics.
0: And what could it be like as far as the confrontation with Namor, because the Submariner was introduced Mm -hmm. in that trailer and will be a major part as far as the actual movie is concerned as Wakanda may face off against Atlantis. We may see a battle there, so I'm looking forward to that. There's also as well some hints of possibly Doctor Doom. A lot of people asking about Mm -hmm. Doctor Doom being a part of this as well, so interesting to see. But She-Hulk looking like it's going to be very funny. Uh, obviously the fact that it's taking place in southern california as far as the the, what's going on with all the the guest stars coming in obviously going ahead of mark ruffalo we're going to have as playing the hulk again coming in teaching her the ropes as being a hulk we have wong coming in we have tim roth coming coming in as well playing his character from the incredible hulk so yeah definitely looks like a fun show as well but yeah the future looks like it's really set up for marvel and they really killed it at comic-con
1: yeah and, and honestly i i don't if i was in DC shoes right now i i would be sweating a little bit and perhaps this year with everything that's gone on with two relatively large pieces of their you know puzzle I don't know that this would have been the year to come in and go hard, unfortunately, with the way that things have gone for, you know, those particular actors in the last year or so. As much as you may have, as a person working for DC, I'm just putting myself in their shoes, as much as you would have wanted to come out there and swing for the fences... Perhaps it's best that you don't until you have all your ducks in a row. It's a missed opportunity, absolutely, but that keeps my fingers crossed for next year and hopefully some future announcements before we get to Comic-Con next year.
0: Well, we'll find out indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on Comic-Con, all the great things that were showcased? Again... Marvel, DC, Star Trek, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, House of the Dragon, as far as Game of Thrones, John Wick 4, Berserker, which is the anime that he's actually working on for Netflix. So a ton of stuff showcased there. Marvel Animation, with all the announcements that they made. So we want to hear your thoughts, what you enjoyed best at Comic-Con, and what you actually really wanted to see at Comic-Con Maybe did you get it done as far as what you wanted to see, or was there something else that you wanted to see from Comic Con that wasn't announced? Please let us know. Popculturecosmos at yahoo So let me get this straight: we're going to play a like a video game together, or well,
1: a... not exactly.
0: Okay, fine. W- where's the controller?
1: Oh, uh, that's it's it's right here.
0: This is literally a sheet of paper. I don't understand what you. Here, well,
1: you're, you're going to need these two.
0: Dice? You just had Are these even dice?
1: We are going to play Vampire the Masquerade. It's a role-playing game. What kind of vampire do you want to be?
0: Okay, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire? <laughs> oh,
1: my friend, you have no idea. There's an Osferatu, an Osferatu, there's Vampires in Vitae, an actual play podcast. Season 2 to Pop Culture Cosmos.
0: Well, the show continues right here at the PCZ Multiverse, my friend. Melinda Barkhouse-Ross and me, Gerald Glassford, the Gray Man was not showcased at Comic-Con. It was showcased on Netflix, and after a small week in the theaters with just a few theaters, really didn't do anything substantial in the theaters, it got put out there on Netflix last Friday, and boy, has it done great numbers for Netflix, especially in a time of need after their recent reports as far as how many subscribers they lost, losing almost a million subscribers, which actually was better than prognostication. So I guess that's good news, kind of. But The Gray Man was number one in over 92 countries that it was shown in. So that was amazing for them as far as a great start for this $200 million picture headed by the Russo brothers, starring Chris Evans, starring Ryan Gosling as the title character. And then the announcement was made in a QA and a this week that Netflix and the Russo brothers are already working on a sequel to the gray man and a prequel to the gray man. So what are your thoughts out there on this evolving thing going on with the gray man? I thought the gray man movie itself, I got a chance to see it was okay. As a popcorn flick, I give it about a seven, I think out of 10, which is, you know, okay, definitely watchable, definitely enjoyable. I think Ryan Gosling was, pretty much cash it in Ryan Gosling all the way through. He really didn't have to do much other than brood half the time and really didn't say a whole lot. Didn't need that's to say a like lot. That's
1: that's how I like my Ryan Gosling though.
0: Then there you go. You get it all <laughs> all the time. I personally think he he was much better in Blade Runner, but that's just my choice. But I will say that the distraction or the detraction was probably and I, I really am sad about saying this was Chris Evans. Really? And it wasn't just because of the mustache. I think that Chris Evans, since doing Captain America, has tried to find every anti-Captain America role he could find. And in doing so, there's been some hits and misses. I definitely think he was good with a kind of subdued, uh, nefarious character in Knives Out. I really thought that him being the bad guy in Knives Out was really actually a good turn for him. Here, he was just pardon the pun, mustache twirling as far as his evil bad guy. And I right. think he was a little bit over the top, especially for what was asked for. And maybe at times it worked with him being so over the top and Ryan Gosling being so subdued. So it balances itself out. But I still think for the most part, Chris Evans was eh, eh not quite as his good self uh, as far as being the bad guy in this situation, but still, did not detract it so much that, I oh, man, I can't stand this film. This film was fun, action, very fast-paced. And I think that's the best thing I can say about it, is that the Russos know that it wasn't the greatest script in the world, wasn't the, the greatest you know, of, of little bits here and there, but they, it's very stylistic and it's very quick cuts and it's very fast-paced, which makes it entertaining for people. You don't stay anywhere anytime for a long period of time. And I think that's the best thing I could say about it because it makes it so much more enjoyable as a popcorn flick.
1: And popcorn flicks, you know, they, you know, people give popcorn flicks a lot of flack. I love me a good popcorn flick. This, I... And this
0: works as a popcorn flick. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: that's so great. I, I can't wait to watch it. I haven't yet. Um, between editing podcasts and get and prepping for, <laughs> you know, three and four hour D and D sessions and work and other commitments, I don't always have time for TV, which is shocking to say. But yeah, it's it's on my list of things to watch. And as I'm talking to more and more people, it's slowly creeping up the list. So I may end up watching that before I get a chance to watch the latest episode of what we do in the shadows, which is okay. pretty serious for me. So. But. But, it's so funny i love it
0: but i will say again the gray man is a solid watch uh, and then again they announced that well, kind of actually in a q a that they are working on a sequel and also as well they are working on a prequel to the gray man as far as his character is concerned and obviously the agency that's involved i mean i know you were talking about behind the scenes before we went on the year about all the co-stars ana de armas who Again, it was with Ryan Gosling. They did a great job together in Blade Runner. They did a, they did a really solid job here as far as their interactions with each other on screen. Again, very subdued Ryan Gosling. So if you're into that, like Melinda is, you're gonna really gonna get a lot of that because he is very subdued in this picture. But still, as a action movie, I think it really knew what worked well. Fast paced, not staying long at any point in time, anywhere. And it really benefited from it.
1: Perfect. I'm excited to watch it. I can't wait.
0: Fair enough. But yes, the gray man looks like it will definitely have a future on Netflix. The $200 million gamble by Netflix looks to have paid off and paid off very well with it being number one in 92 countries around the world. And also as well, a sequel and prequel on the way. So what are your thoughts out there? Did you get a chance to check out the gray man, which is the hot movie right now on Netflix? Please let us know your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com and let us know what you'd like to see in the future for the gray man as far as the agency would you like to see ryan Gosling return what would you like for a prequel as far as where it would go from there please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com but before we hit the break my friend i want to go ahead and really tell everyone out there how angry i am at meta aka (laughs) facebook aka whatever you want to call it at this point in time because meta really did a blunder, a public relations blunder this week before they announced the fact that they've lost $2 billion in the last quarter, before they talked about how their future is trying to progress and what they're trying to do to get out of whatever they or got themselves into, they announced via a press release that they are increasing the price for their MetaQuest 2 by $100, going from $299 for the base unit to $399. They're saying it's because of the cost of inflation and chipsets and the whole nine yards, shipping and you know supplies. And, you know, they get the standard excuses in 2022 that we've heard from a lot of other places. But going up $100 and making it now 400 instead of $300, that's pretty pricey for gamers. And now you're asking to pay as much for that as a console. In many cases, you know, the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X is not that much more expensive. So I ask you, my friend, when you heard that, what were your first thoughts? Because I know already when we posted that on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, a lot of people were not happy about what Meta's doing.
1: It might not be a money grab. Maybe they are telling us the truth. Maybe it is taking that much to get a hold of the components that they need to build the headset. We know that shipping around the world is a mess. I'm still waiting for some uh, new tabletop RPG books that I ordered like a year ago to arrive. It's, It's a delivery. It's a shipping issue, I should say. So, you know, maybe they are telling us the truth and maybe the $100 a set is justified somewhere down the line if you go back far enough. But as a consumer, it really is starting to get silly. I mean, the price of gas is crazy. Uh, Here in Vegas, your water bill is out of control. Electricity is along those same lines. And you're going to take something that I'm trying to use as an escape from all of those things, and you're going to charge me another $100 for it? I'm going to just go buy a PS5 and call it a day, son. That's what I'm going to do.
0: Well, I mean, and it's not like a hundred dollars for, let's say, like a two or three or four thousand dollar TV. Hundred dollars yeah. price—that's that's a little incremental thing. This is twenty twenty-five percent. You're yeah. you're increasing it by, you know, that's that's a huge increase. That's more than the cost of standard living. That's more than inflation itself. Yep. That's something that tells me that they are trying to go ahead and try and sneak a profit out of it. Most of the time, when you're talking about consoles, except for Nintendo's case, I think, from what I've been able to ascertain, it's just a guess, mind you. But I, when I, over the years, I've been able to ascertain that I think Nintendo is probably the, one of the few individual entities that puts out consoles at a slim or maybe even a little bit larger than that profit. Xbox, PlayStation, they've always put out consoles at or near or below cost, as far as them just worrying about putting it out there, even if they're taking a loss on it first over the course of time, as these unit gets older, the prices become cheaper as far as being able to make these consoles. And then they become a little bit more profitable over time. So let's say the PlayStation four and the Xbox one, they're a lot more profitable or cheaper to make than they were, let's say five, six, seven years ago. So they might be making a profit every time they buy one of those. Whereas the MetaQuest 2, you're in an industry, you're in a marketplace right now that's very much in flux. PlayStation VR 2 has not come out yet. And if it comes out and it's somewhat better than what you're offering with MetaQuest 2, people are going to go right back to making that the number one VR component out there, just like they did before. But even then, the sales of the PSVR, PSVR 2, MetaQuest or MetaQuest 2, those pale in comparison to what the consoles do. And if you want to go ahead and build on this market, you cannot be having PR hits like the one you made with a hundred dollars price increase. That's just killing your business,
1: yeah, that that feels like a pretty big whoopsies. I mean, you, you know what? even if you had done like a fifty dollars price increase and then six months from now raised it again, it might have been might have felt as a consumer a little more palatable than just, hey, guess what? Another
0: $100, please. Uh, just really a bad move by Meta. And I'm just going to say it right out there. And I really think that was a mistake on their part. What are your thoughts out there on the price increase of $100 effective August the 1st for MetaQuest 2? Please let us know your thoughts. If this is outrageous, if you were contemplating getting a VR unit, the MetaQuest 2, and all of a sudden you see the price going up by $100, does it stop you from buying a Meta Quest 2? Please let us know your thoughts on the price change for MetaQuest 2, Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, we're going to be talking some trailers, Oppenheimer, Blonde, and Samaritan, the future of Tomb Raider, some under-the-radar TV shows, and a little bit more than that as we close out the show. This is the PC Multiverse. And if you're ready to talk toys... I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for Season 2 for 10 more episodes of Toy and Goodness, and this time we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, playsets, what-if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that and, of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show Season 2, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. And we're back with the show. to the PC Multiverse. It's Melinda Barkhouse-Ross and me, Gerald Glassford, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to go ahead and mention again the new store for our good friends, our awesome sponsor, Retro City Games. Doug and Nicole have opened up a new store at 213 north stephanie it is the letter h you go ahead check it out right there it's just off the 215 freeway right there in henderson nevada if you're in the las vegas and henderson area there's no better place to go for your video games than retro city games also as well check out their awesome store town square on las vegas boulevard for everybody that's either a tourist or actually a regular going in and out of las vegas but melinda I know you've got some great things going on for your awesome series of tabletop RPG games. The action is always there for *Wild while beyond the Witchlight* and wizards and wine. And of course, get your fangs out for mm. vampires. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, we are currently working on a big old project. And once the project is up and running, we are going to uh, start sharing the information, and we're very, very excited about it. Something new is coming. Anyway, what I need to tell you about right now, though, is the wild beyond the witchlight. So this coming Monday, we are back to the Halifax table, and the Halifax table, when we wrapped up the last time, had just crossed into the Feywild from the Witchlight Carnival. They found the portal, they went through it. Mister Witch and Mister Light gave them a, a tiny bit of information, probably not enough. So their first couple of days in the Feywild could be a little rocky. I'm excited to get into it, though. And for Vampires in Vitae, all of our characters were forced to sit around an actual round table and were forced to kind of come clean to each other uh, about some of the stuff that everybody had been kind of holding close to their chest. So if you are, if you have been following along Vampires in Vitae, that podcast is going to drop tomorrow is going to drop a lot of information if you happen to miss our live stream uh, last sunday so uh we're very excited uh i have a feeling this this conversation that the characters have is about to kick the season into a very high gear and i'm very excited for it
0: and you can catch
1: it where You can catch uh, both podcasts anywhere you prefer to consume your podcasts from, and you can catch the live stream right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos Twitch channel. You can catch us on the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page, as well as the Vampires and Vitae and Wizards and Wine Facebook pages as well, so we go to both places at the same time. And yeah, we're just uh, super grateful for everybody who's been along for the ride so far, and it's about to get wild in both podcasts.
0: And indeed it is so check out today vampires and vitae and of course everything going on with wizards and wine with wild beyond the Witchlight. our good friend roger is also commanding the ship every monday for the demolition force and let's not forget the great weekend shows that are provided by our good friend mitch dm mitch is always on the scene right there with shows on saturday and sunday as well Again, that's four, five shows that we showcase for you. That's about 15 hours, 15 hours of content right there each and every week. That's why we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. And there's no one better at tabletop RPGs than the Pop culture cosmos. Well, my friend, there's so much more to talk about on today's program. I know you checked out some trailers before we went on the air. First one I want to talk about is a movie that's not coming out till pretty much a year from today. The trailer was first shown off if you checked out Nope in the theaters. And then a couple days later, Universal Pictures actually showcased it off on the Universal Pictures YouTube channel in the form of Oppenheimer, the latest Christopher Nolan movie, which is again coming out this time next year. And it's done on a loop. So if you go to Universal Pictures on YouTube, you're going to see a channel or a selection there for the Oppenheimer trader and you're going to see it on a loop. So you can't miss it. It's not like you have to go ahead and rewind. It's just playing and playing and playing. It's only a 90 seconds long or so, but it's playing, it's playing and playing. It doesn't show you a whole lot. Just C- Cillian Murphy dressing up as Oppenheimer with a whole bunch of voices, including I think Robert Downey Jr. I think I heard Josh Brolin. I think I heard a couple other voices as well, talking about the man himself and how important he was to the world at that point in time. But yeah, definitely sets the mood for Oppenheimer, both the mystery and also the intrigue, but also the danger that comes with what he was working on and the ultimate ramifications of what his work had done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is the kind of like out of the box marketing that I love to see uh, from big companies like that. This is like this is a, a move that I would expect to see from like some really forward thinking independent movie companies. So to have it coming from one of the big companies, I think is is pretty amazing. To have it on a loop 24 hour loop for I mean, is it gonna run for an entire year? I'm probably gonna check in six months. I'm probably going to check in three months. I'm going to check in eight months. I'm going to check in a week just to see if it's still up and if it's still running. I I think it's brilliant. It's obviously working because it's getting people talking about it. Here we are talking about it. So, uh, yeah, no, I I think it's very clever and hats off. I think it's great.
0: I think it's a novel idea. And I think that's like you said, let's see how long it lasts. Will it play the entire year leading up to the film? We'll wait and see, but. Definitely very interesting for how Universal Pictures is going to be presenting Oppenheimer. But then again, Christopher Nolan, he always wants something different as far as showcase. I remember his insistence on actually presenting Tenet in the theaters. And unfortunately, I think he got burned by that. His ins- And also the, the, the movie studio got burned by that because of, you know, what happened with COVID and nobody really wanted to go to the theaters at that point in time. I thought that was a insistence that I think that should have either waited for another year or two to bring out Tenet or put it out on a streaming format. I think that would have been killer, putting it out on a streaming format at that point in time. I think HBO Max had the rights. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I definitely thought that was a miscalculation on his part, but his insistence on seeing it in an IMAX theater, I get it. It's a beautiful picture. I've seen it. It's a little long. Sometimes a little bit too long for its own good, but it's still a very solid picture. And I think that it was really misserviced by the fact that Christopher Nolan had to have it out when he had to have it out.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. But I don't know. There's just just something about it. I don't know. I'm very intrigued. Very very intrigued.
0: Very and I think that, I,
1: that, I think that that's what they wanted to accomplish, and I think they've yeah. done it.
0: So Well, an all-star cast. That uh, that cast is loaded as far as the individuals that are part of it. So please, yeah. Uh, well, so definitely check out the trailer. It's on the loop right now at Universal Pictures on YouTube. Also as well, we checked out the trailer for Blonde from Ana yeah. de Armas. We just talked about her in The Gray Man. She cool. did a solid job there. This is facing the, this is going to be the NC-17 depiction of Marilyn Monroe. I kind of, as much as I like Anna de Armas as as an actress, I think that her accent kind of poked through a couple of times in Marilyn Monroe's voice as her acting as Marilyn Monroe and not sure I'm 100% either which way I'm digging it or not. Your thoughts on Blonde. I know you had a chance to check it out.
1: Yeah, uh, you said that uh, shortly after I watched the trailer and I completely missed it. I didn't hear the accent come through at all. Um, so there, there's that. But man, that's going to be a heavy film. Yes. And finally, I think we may really look at what it was like to be Marilyn Monroe and dealing with that level of celebrity at that point in time I mean we understand that being a celebrity right now is is pretty tough there's no break but in Marilyn Monroe's time when you were Marilyn Monroe there also wasn't much of a break but there also wasn't the ways that you can hide from the press and the public that celebrities I think tend to enjoy now yeah I don't know it's it's going to be heavy and my heart's already broken all over again for Marilyn Monroe and I haven't even seen the movie yet.
0: Well, definitely it's going to be something that only adults can see because it's an NC-17 rating. Yeah, It won't actually, I think, earn enough money at the box office to become the biggest NC-17 movie of all time. It doesn't really have to do a whole lot dollars-wise in order to do so. Because I think that it's going to be only showcased in a limited amount of theaters in order to gain any type of Oscar consideration. And then they'll just put it out on Netflix. But Yes, it is NC-17, just making sure that the kids are not able to watch this because it is a def- is definitely going to deal with adult subjects. So looking forward to it, it's going to be the end of September. It is Ana de Armas and Blonde. The last trailer before we head to the break, my friend, and talking about is Samaritan. I know you didn't get a chance to see this one, but I think with Sly Stallone, I think you're good. You can pretty much get the idea of what he's doing here. He's a former superhero. He's actually just working the trash, just basically as a trash man, just working out, working for the for the department, doing a great, you know job just like 9 to 5 like everybody else wants to go ahead and mind his own business as a man older in age just trying to go ahead and live out his life. And I guess for circumstances that happen as far as criminals are concerned, he has to go ahead and don the I guess the the costume that he wore. He had to become the superhero once again. That he didn't want to be a kid, found out who he was and called him out on it. And again, that's led to him having to go ahead and battle bad guys in Samaritan, something that's going to be ending up on Amazon Prime here later in August. So that's going to be interesting. But your thoughts on Sly Stallone still rocking it at this age in the in the seventies right now, still rocking out there doing the doing his thing on action thrillers. Kind of reminds me what he used to do every single, what, two or three months back in the 80s and 90s out in the yeah,
1: theater. Really seems like it, doesn't it? And it's so funny because uh, Robbie and I just watched Demolition Man the other night. Mm. <laughs> so, eh, anyway, I'm going to give this one some time. Sly Stallone is a aging superhero. I'm okay. into that. I'll watch that. I, no cursing, gonna-
0: though. No I'm cursing, because right. you watch Demolition Man. That's going to be a demerit.
1: <laughs> That's right. But, is it going to have me running up the stairs and celebrating at the top of the stairs? Only time will tell that part of it, but I am definitely going to be watching that one on Amazon. Prime.
0: It doesn't look like it has that, those high of expectations. Just basically it's going to be something that a formula that is not unfamiliar. It's something pretty basic to put Sly Stallone in there, even at his age, to still go in there that's going to be something that he's comfortable with and i think that's pretty good it's not doing anything out of the out of the norm just something that we're all used to seeing him and he's that's something that he is used to now he would love it if he could have the rights to rocky back but i guess that's a yeah. long-going issue that he talked about a couple of weeks ago they were still upset yeah. by that he doesn't have the rights for rocky i think that's another issue altogether but yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing what he has to say and do in Samaritan coming up at the end of August. So definitely some uh, interesting movies. And these, the reason why we're touching on these three, because these three were not showcased at Comic-Con. So yeah, yeah definitely something very interesting indeed. In fact, in a light week, they kind of provided a little bit of interest for us. So what are your thoughts on, out there on Samaritan for Sly Stallone in a hopefully a good movie coming up on Amazon Prime at the end of August? Blonde. Coming up in September, the NC-17 depiction of Marilyn Monroe with Ana de Armas and Oppenheimer. Coming a year from now with Cillian Murphy in the title role with a whole big star-studded cast. Josh Brolin, like I said. Also, as well, Robert Downey Jr. A ton of people involved from Christopher Nolan. What are your expectations for these movies? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. My friend, we're almost through another great episode, but before we head on out, the future of Tomb Raider is now up for debate as MGM no longer has the rights for the Tomb Raider franchise on the screen. So it can literally go anywhere. Disney Plus could take it, or Disney could take it. Could go in the hands of Universal, which we just talked about. Paramount. Any of these entities could go ahead and end up actually gaining the Tomb Raider franchise. The question I ask for you first Would you be interested in gaining the Tomb Raider franchise? Or do you think it's already been played out after the Alicia Vikander movies that did? Eh, did all right. Nothing great. But again, didn't seemingly end on the greatest of notes. But still, is there a future for Tomb Raider in a movie or TV format?
1: I think so. Absolutely. And I've been racking my brain ever since you gave a bit of a tease for it as to who would take on the role of laura croft i'm not sure but i've i think i've landed on someone Mm -hmm. maybe it's controversial i don't know address Mm -hmm. all of your emails to popculturecosmos at (laughs) yahoo.com yell at gerald don't yell at me
0: (laughs) okay not not anything vampires and vitae on twitter never not that
1: no can't do that definitely definitely not that or wizards and wine on twitter either but what do you think of daisy ridley not too bad.
0: Right? I, I wouldn't say that's a bad idea. Although, with Daisy, she needs, I think, a movie to get her back in the swing of things. I think that Daisy really, her star power after what's happened with Star Wars, especially The Last Skywalker, and how bad that movie was. And that did not end her career on that well of a note. So, definitely, if she gains the role of Lara Croft, it definitely could spike interest. I personally think that she's not going to be able to move the needle. So I'm not sure if if somebody would pull the trigger on that or would actually go with with her right now. Because I don't think she's done anything lately that's really been notable, uh, personally. I really would would lean into an American playing that role who actually can do an accent. And that is Tessa Thompson, who is coming off Thor Love and Thunder she can pull off a credible accent you already see what she does playing valkyrie and she was born in la close to where i was born at so i think that might be for me a good choice hey british actors and actresses always play americans australian actors and actresses always play americans why can't it go the other way around Have Tessa hey, Thompson ab- doing.
1: absolutely no reason why they can't mm-hmm. and i'm i'm upset now that i didn't think of tessa thompson for it
0: I think yeah, she's she would be
1: great. She'd be stunning, actually.
0: Yeah. She's a, yeah she's, nice. a, she's a marketable name out there. Well, even though Thor Love and Thunder is not hitting the heights that, that I think Marvel wanted to, it's still going to be a seven $800 million picture. So still her name's out there. She's gotten decent reviews for what she's done in Thor Love and Thunder and all the other stuff that she's done. She's marketable. Good actress.
1: Very yeah. She's stunning, which is which is part of Laura Croft. You do have to be Mm -hmm. stunning. She's on Westworld. Yeah, who do we write a letter to?
0: Well, anybody's game right now because Tomb Raider is a free agent. So you know, we go ahead and maybe pitch it to a movie studio or two. I think maybe Paramount,
1: Disney. I think that we need to pull the change that we both pull out of our couches and try mm-hmm. to start a production company and get those rights ourselves. Let's just there do you
0: it. Go. I think Paramount, this would actually, that a blend, I think, of Tomb Raider on Paramount. You know, I I would say Paramount Plus, I would think that would be a good place for it. Maybe would Netflix. You, go- you can always go Netflix, but come on. Everybody goes
1: would, would you go movie or would you go TV show?
0: That's a question. That's right? a good, really good question. You know, Tessa Thompson, I think, probably would want to do just movies, but you you, you would have to get probably an unknown actress or a not as well-known actress, Daisy Ridley, to do a TV series, six to eight episodes. You could see it working. You know, that's a good idea. These days, a lot of these studios want them to go ahead and and drag it on out to a six-episode TV series as opposed to a movie.
1: And I would make them like 75-minute episodes. There you go. I I would push it just a little bit past an hour.
0: Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I know the Orville is actually doing the similar, something similar. They're just beyond an hour, doing like an hour and five, hour and 10 minutes. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And right
1: in that range. Not too bad.
0: There you go. Well, everybody out there, what are your thoughts? Should Laura Croft?
1: Should we make a production company and buy the rights to Laura Croft and cast it and produce it ourselves? That was the question,
0: right? (laughs) Absolutely. That was the question. Does Tomb Raider have a future still as a movie or TV series? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and hear your thoughts on some under-the-radar TV shows, which we don't usually talk about on this show, which we need to start talking about. I have about three in mind myself, but I want to hear your thoughts on some shows that you think people need to know about. I mean, I know we drop them on the end of shows sometimes. I know we drop them on as far as the beginning sometimes, but we really don't get a chance to touch on some of the shows that are out there that really deserve some love. So are there some under the radar TV shows that Melinda wants you to know about?
1: I'm not sure how under the radar they are, but I have two that came to mind. One of them is upload, right? So good. Yes, so good. Absolutely. I so wish they were
0: given good. a bigger budget.
1: Yeah. But what
0: they do, what they use is very well done.
1: The other it's one. on Amazon,
0: by the way. Amazon Prime. You can catch both seasons right now. They were limited on their season two because of what happened to the coronavirus. They only had the limited number of episodes, but they are coming back for season three. So yeah, very good show. Love the story may have gotten as far as the love story that's based on it may have gotten together just a little too quickly as right. far as maybe could have spread that out a little bit longer because you know that's used the death knell for TV shows is when the guy and the girl the are they aren't they when they finally get together it sort to of speak that you see the downfall of TV shows that that yeah. when it happens but I'm hoping that there's still a lot of life left in upload. I like the concept and I thought it really worked for me. I was surprised yeah. too, because it, at times it really looks kind of looks a little low budget and I wish I really wish they were given a higher budget to enhance all the CG around it, but the story works so well. So yeah, I it couldn't agree more than that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really good. And another one, and I'm going to encourage you to find and watch the British version of it because I've watched both the American and British versions. I have a, slight preference for the british and that's a show called ghosts i encourage you to find and watch ghosts it's fine if you get the american version the british version i find just a little bit better i did think of one more and i don't know if it's exactly under the radar but if you haven't watched it you need to give it a little bit of time and you need to get through the first episode because the first episode it's crass, but it's like a shocking level of crass because they're trying mm-hmm. to help you get past that, so you can really enjoy the story. And mm-hmm. that is a hockey-based show. As a Canadian, I've got a soft spot for all things hockey. But if you have not yet, please give the Letter Kenny spin-off show Shorey a little bit of your time.
0: We've talked about it on two different episodes we here. Have, yeah, I, I did watch it upon your request. I thought it was really mm-hmm. solid. I thought it was really interesting.
1: So I I just want to make sure that this little gem of Canadian television makes its way into your home because it's, it's so worth it. It's such a fun watch. And it's once you get past the crassness, (laughs) it is actually a very lovely story.
0: Three shows. I think you should check out two are on Apple TV. The first is in season. It's already in three seasons. It's for all mankind. And it's a alternate reality show where what if the U.S. lost the space race? What if Russia got to the moon first? What if they put bases on the moon? What if the, the I guess, the, the excursions to Mars was really a lot more forward than there is right now currently? What if consumer travel to space was already well advanced beyond what it is now? You could actually stay in a hotel in space and whatnot. Those kind of concepts are actually brought to light in For All Mankind. It showcases things from a NASA point of view as far as seeing all the behind the scenes on a what if. I think it's a pretty good watch. I've been binging it through here and there the past couple of weeks and I'm really liking what I'm seeing for For All Mankind. So I give it a recommendation right there for an Apple TV. The second is another show that's getting a lot of praise that came out this year called Pachinko. And if you've not seen Pachinko, It is really something special. It cycles between the 1989 and then also cycles back to 70, 80 years ago as far as the travels of this family and going back and forth. It has been highly praised. It's got, I think, high 80s on Metacritic. It is really well-received. its really well received got a great opening sequence, just like Severance. So yeah, if you're catching Severance there and you're finished with those episodes, check out Pachinko. I think also as well, you need to check out For All Mankind. That's a good... Three-season watch right there for you. You can binge through that. The last but not least I want to go ahead and touch on is from FX, and that is Reservation Dogs, which highlights the Native American community. I really think that people need to check it out. It, it does so with class. It does so with humor because Native Americans are actually telling their side of the story in a modern environment about what's going on as far as the pitfalls, the tensions, and still the things that they still get and still feel to this day about how they've been treated, how they're still treated uh, as a culture and, and how, uh, you know, they are still continuing to go ahead and live and excel in their lives. So yeah, definitely check out the great show reservation dogs. It has been highly praised as well on FX and right along there with Atlanta, which is going to be ending at season four, which is final season coming up here soon. So check that out later this year from Donald Glover. Yeah, definitely. uh, Those are two series to check out on FX as well.
1: Yeah, I've been, Reservation Dogs has been one of those shows that's been on my list of things that I need to start watching. And it's been on that list for far too long. So perhaps it's time for me to just uh, rip off the band-aid, so to speak, and, and sit down on the couch and have a good watch. Because every trailer that I've seen, every clip, every scene that I've managed to come across looks fantastic and yeah it's a i'm upset with myself for not having taken the time to watch it much sooner than right now
0: are there any under the radar tv shows that you want us to check out please let us know palm cosmos at yahoo.com my friend we've covered a lot of things on today's show i cannot thank you enough for being a part of it as always coming up on monday with josh and i we're going to talk about The DC League of Super Pets, that movie has come out, and I think we'll check on, see how well it's done as compared to the second weekend of Nope. We'll go ahead and give you a report on Monday's show. We're also going to go ahead and talk about the WWE. Vince McMahon has retired, so what has happened since. We're going to go ahead and talk about that. as SummerSlam, and also as well, Ric Flair's last match are happening this weekend, so we'll go ahead and talk about WWE SummerSlam, where the WWE is at of course, Ric Flair, as he enters his last match this weekend, we'll go ahead and touch on that as far as what happened, what are some of the interesting takeaways, what are some of the thoughts on Ric Flair's last match in WWE SummerSlam. That's coming up on the Monday show as well. But my friend, as always, it's been a great episode, but we always will close out with you. Any last thoughts before we head on out?
1: Yes. I will still be going to the theater to watch John Wick 74. I just wanted to, I just wanted, I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> it doesn't matter if John Wick is mostly cyborg at that point. I will still go and watch those movies.
0: He will have died like 30 years prior and just be the skeleton sitting on a wheelchair. Uh, People are going to have to like act around him. And and I'll be
1: like, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen.
0: (laughs) Doing stunts and flips all over him. And yeah, it's just a skeleton.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. John Wick 74 indeed. Send that to the actual movie studio. How about that? (laughs) I've got an idea for John Wick. Really? Five? Six? No, 74. You got to get there first. Gives me time to write it. Gives me a lot of time to write it. There you go. So from the Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great